0: everyone to Fly over Footy. Got it right this week. Uh, we got a fun show tonight. A fun one. Um, I, for fun, I kind of put the title down as Ticket Gate because everyone, uh, the big announcement just happened and uh, everyone went a little crazy um, as usual, but that's kind of part of the experience, right? Um, before we do that, though, we're going to dig right into it. But first, Santiago, how's it going, man? I'm digging this St. Louis FC track suit, shirt, or jacket.
1: I love it. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. Uh, No, doing great. Just got back from uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, Got back last night. So it was a good trip. Uh, Worked for a few days and then took some time off to uh, spend time with the family. So it was good. Yeah, your day
0: off was you saw some beautiful sights for sure, like a small waterfall and some jungly looking stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. I went to a couple of places I had never been, so it's always good to explore the island.
0: That's what I live for, man. That's good stuff. Matt, uh, how are you doing tonight? You said you were a bit scatterbrained. You're kind of all over the place, huh?
2: I I was in a good place until uh, everything that I was planning for this show and my night just kind of blew up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I mean, it was because today was fun. We got to see, you know, Caden Glover. We got to yeah. you know, look back on some of the matches we've been playing. And then now the big story and it's not even a new it's not even like an official news thing. But it's uh, what what has now become being sent to everybody, the the ticket pricing information, which I I love to prep for shows. I like to be prepared and able to speak to certain things. shoot! not able but interesting
0: yeah yeah um and just so everyone knows we are having just a weird night with internet i I don't think there's a rhyme or reason to it we've all been restarting our stuff so sorry if anyone kicks out we'll just kind of do our best to kind of move on um but yeah we're talking about the how our night got a little bit derailed and uh let's kick right into it though um matt i
2: think you were like i think you announced it with city report right yeah, as first reported by CitySC Report, I don't know how you want to put that. Where'd you guys Basically find it? how did it happen? So the club has been sending out the pricing map to uh, General Reserve season ticket depositors. Um, it's, we're less than a month away from the General Reserve seat selection, so people being able to go to Centene Stadium to pick out their seat or do it virtually. So the club has been uh, sending out via email pricing maps to people. And I, one of them was in a, a Facebook group that I saw today and was corroborated essentially by one of my friends who is a reserve deposit holder, reached out to him and asked him, um, did you get anything? Checked email, had that and kind of sent that to me. So I, I saw it was almost one of those like confirm your source type thing. Hmm. Um, and so the thing that struck me was the range and that, I mean, there exists a range of prices. It's not just, um, and I tried to look as much as I could at, at other teams just to see what they're doing, how comparable this was, the range, um, it, we'll get into like what the ranges are and, and it, what, how they compare and what the perception is now, but just the fact that there exists ranges, as opposed to this section is this dollar amount, this section is this dollar amount seems, um, like an interesting approach that it does have a lot of people in a tizzy. And the supporter section, while not general reserved, I think being color coded as the same um, range as the lowest Hmm. cost amount is is kind of throwing people for a loop a little bit as well. Yeah, I'm sure. So I haven't I've had a busy night.
0: I haven't looked at the comments. So maybe you can tell me, like, what are some of the negative things people are saying? Because. Well, and maybe you can compare it to all the other prices that you did find. What did you see there?
2: So I I looked through. So I first of all, on Twitter and Facebook, um, it seems to be a pretty good mix. Uh, There are those who and these are all from I believe most of these are from actual general reserve deposit holders because they seem like Hmm. from the comments, most of them have skin in the game. Um, There are people who are just not surprised at all by this because apparently the club has been communicating to reserve deposit holders that for months that the range would be about 20 to 120 dollars per seat per game Hmm. so that's not surprising Santiago can probably speak to this as I think you're a general reserve deposit holder too so that's that's an accurate statement isn't it that the club's kind of given that range before
1: yeah yeah that's correct I I have a general reserve deposit and yeah when I communicated with my rep uh, earlier in the year he mentioned it was going to be 25 to uh 120, and that uh, the closer to the 50-yard line, the closer to the field, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. the higher the price, and that's what I'm seeing on this seating chart.
2: Right, and, and so that that to me, when I, not having a general reserve deposit, I look at that, and the first thing I go to do is go look at comparable teams. At um, you know, how how does the f- the flow of the pricing go from lowest to highest? What is the absolute lowest? What how high does it absolutely go? And I'm mostly concerned, from the outside looking in, at making sure there are accessible seats available uh, as options. So, not expecting by any stretch of the imagination that there's going to be cheap seats throughout the stadium, because that's that's Mm -hmm. not how sporting events work. Um, But making sure that when the club says uh, a a week or two ago that 33% of all general reserve seats are going to be in that 20 to 40 ish dollar range that they hold firm to that, and that seems to be exactly what we see here. This pink section that's in the corners that starts to make its way towards midfield, um, halfway through some of the 200 sections, There, that that's 33% of the stadium. The entire bowl or entire deck above the supporter section is in that range. So that $20 to $40 looks like that's about a third of everything. And so there's a mix of people saying this is kind of what we were led to believe all along. Hmm. And then there's people who either they're either not deposit holders. They didn't get that information. They didn't retain that information for whatever reason. This, this is shocking to people. Um, And, and for the people who actually have the deposits, um, it doesn't seem like it should be shocking because it's in line with what the clubs communicated. But from the outside looking in, when you start to compare it a little bit, Uh, like on Reddit, on Reddit, there's a lot of our MLS has this information and I'm, I wanted to put it out there to get some of the feedback from other clubs and see what their thoughts are. So you're seeing folks from, uh, Nashville, Cincinnati and LAFC that I saw who are a little more surprised. Everybody looks at the supporter section and they're like, Oh, that's amazing. That's kind of the best in the league, Mm. which we knew when we did comparisons last year, the supporter section is very competitively priced when it comes to the rest of the league um those the fans of those clubs saw some of the other prices and they were kind of blown away as they're more expensive than comparable seats in their stadiums where yes our stadium is going to be state-of-the-art brand new the the newest stadium in the league for a significant period of time um Mm -hmm. to say the least and and it's going to it seems like it's going to reflect that in some of the closer to the field general reserve seats but we're talking about fans from stadiums like LAFC, uh, like Nashville. These are also pretty new stadiums. You know, they're they're not uh, they're not like Toronto. They're not like Seat Geek in Chicago, where they were made in, in the mid two thousands. So, seeing that reaction juxtaposed against some of the fans from like Miami, uh, Columbus, Philadelphia, who are like, yeah, that that's about what we have. <laughs> and again, those also not super old stadiums. Philadelphia is about 10 years old at this point. I think Um, the crew have a brand new stadium and some of their fans were like, yeah, this is, this is about what we have. No, no shock, no surprise there. So I think tonight between all of these different reactions, there's a lot of, there's a lot of knee jerking going on. And I don't know if that's because fans are just expecting city to be able to offer the absolute lowest because they kind of did that with the supporter section to an extent Uh, across the board um, they they're seeing five tiers and maybe three three and a half of those tiers are significantly more expensive than what they had in their mind Hmm. I think it's a an expectation versus reality and perception of the entirety is definitely playing into it more so than actually Uh, what the club has promised or what some of the other stadiums in the country are really offering. And I know I've seen comparisons to the Midwest. So there's this now, there's a phrase I saw that city is now the most expensive MLS ticket in the Midwest, which I I don't know if that's necessarily true when you average out everything. I'm sure that's just a knee jerk from comparing a section to a section Hmm. um, or a top tier price point to another top tier price point. End of the day, City is still offering um, single-game match-priced season tickets in the $20 to $40 range, making a third of those tickets extremely accessible to some of the lower-income fans or fans who just um, don't wish, can't, or for whatever reason want that that lower option. And don't forget, every single seat in this stadium is 120 feet or less from the pitch. Mm. So the notion that there's no bad seat in the house definitely applies. And, and yes, I am trying to look at this from the most positive aspect for sure. Um, but I don't think that a lot of the reactions that we're seeing tonight are going to long term put any kind of uh, damper on the excitement. We're still going to sell out. There's still going to be a wait list.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think that's part of the problem. That's kind of what I was going to lean into. But I want to hear what Santiago kind of thinks about all of this so far. Um, But did you see, I guess you saw the prices today. You were asking questions about what you thought your ticket might end up being. So, yeah. How would you take it, Santiago?
1: Yeah, no, um, it was kind of what I was expecting, Uh, although Matt already said it. uh, There are probably three tiers that in people's minds uh, will be higher than what they were thinking. When, When I thought about between 25 and 125, I was thinking, oh, okay, so maybe if I get something in the middle of the range, 75, 70, something like that, Mm. um, that should probably be fine. But those three uh, sections, um, basically, there is just one section that is within that, below that range, and then one um, that uh, is between 65 and 80. So, But yeah, kind of what I was expecting, and I look at the chart, and I already kind of, know what sections i like and i've been talking to hmm. to a few friends um, that will join me um, in my group uh, kind of trying to figure out what what we will get um, so i'm not surprised i don't uh, like i was expecting something like this but at the same time um, i was hoping to see more tickets uh, at least a couple of sections in that 75 or below mm-hmm. um, but there is a lot yeah I know there is a lot of, lot of backlash um, out there um, as Matt said some people saying that were mo- the most expensive ticket in the Midwest but uh, it, it would be interesting to see if this uh, results in some people some of the some of the earliest signups uh, like 9 a.m 10 a.m, uh, maybe they will buy fewer tickets or may not buy tickets at all and this will open opportunities to some of the people who sign up later and that have been complaining a lot about why they were uh, pre-sales at eight or at nine uh, i'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that but but this will open opportunities to other people um it's still uh, as matt said like 33 percent of the tickets are Within that 25 to 40 dollar range is still pretty good, but I think a lot of people were waiting for also um, che- the the cheaper the cheapest seats uh, in the other ranges based on what was offered for the supporters section. But I think in the end it's gonna be okay. Uh, I like the option um, for the three-year commitment. Obviously. Yeah, me too. W- w- more information about that will be needed, but uh, it offers an additional discount uh, for people uh, who are looking to saving a little bit more money. So uh, I think overall it's good. Obviously, everybody will see some positives, some negatives, but uh, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be okay.
2: Yeah, I'm looking, and, at- and that that is an interesting the three year term, which appear. I mean, all in all, indications are that it's pretty unheard of in uh, not just MLS, but most sports. I don't recall ever seeing a discounted price if you're willing to, um, sign up for three years, which I, my, my gut tells me that they're going to have payment plans for those just like they do the one year term. Cause they've already announced that the one year season tickets would have like a 12 month payment plan. There's no doubt that they're going to do that for the three year in my mind. Nice. And I think it's interesting that they are offering, if you look at it, it appears to be a 10% discount on the three year term compared to the one. So from their perspective, they're locking you in for three years, which from a lot of MLS expansion clubs, we know teams struggle in that first year or two and they start to (laughs) pick things up. And so you're getting people bought in and offering them 10% discount to buy in for that. What a lot of clubs tend to have as their Rocky years before they, they get their feet under them and, and make playoff pushes and actually have some success on the field. So it, it, it rewards fans at the same time. You're not just, Um, maybe offering them a scarf or something. You're giving them quite a pretty hefty discount when all is said and done on these uh, overall yearly prices for signing up for three years. I think that's that's a smart move on their part for sure, hedging their bets on some of the pitfalls that MLS um, clubs often see.
0: And yeah, three but years isn't too much either. It's a good, perfect number. Like I'll, yeah. I'll say up for three months or three years. I mean, uh, no problem. Um, any longer I might've been like, Hmm, I don't know. And, but I will be asking, and maybe Santiago, this is one of the questions in your brain was, you know, does that mean that my price is locked in for three years? I imagine so, but you know, that's a question I'll ask. What were you going to say though, Matt?
2: Oh, it has it has to be. I mean, three year term. We're talking financial terms here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- three year term. You're you're getting into that three year contract. That so you're if you're in that uh, that orange section, you're going to be paying either eleven oh five per year up to 13 thirteen thirteen eighty a year, uh, thirteen sixty a year, and uh, that's not going to change for three years. Now, what they do beyond that, though, I think, I think. I don't, I think it's too early to start thinking about what they're going to be doing three years from now. Um, demand is going to weigh into that, how their wait list grows or shrinks will. Um, but I I would, we're going to see a sellout quickly uh, as soon as they can make it individually through everybody. We're going to see a wait list that's pretty heavily populated. Um, and, and once that's all in place and the dollar amounts are set, really the only thing that's going to change that, uh, lower or higher is the success on the field. Yeah. And there, there have been a lot of points made and they're very accurate. And I hold true to this as well, that the money that we're paying in ticket prices is not just going to reimburse the tailors for their privately funded stadium that they put all the money on. It's going towards funding designated players, U 22 initiative kids. It's, it's going to fund our roster to make it better. So I'm not saying that we should expect the world because ticket prices are what they are, but I'm saying that if ticket prices weren't what they are, we may not, over the long haul, be able to afford some of those players. This is a primary contributor to a city, uh, a team's coffers. Mm-hmm.
0: It's also a bit of a contract in that way too, because it's also saying to us, "Listen, we didn't give you the cheapest tickets on the planet, so you know that's not a pass for performance." You know what I mean? Like we're charging a decent amount for some of these seats, that means it's also a contract to you that we intend to, to get some wins. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know, playoffs hopefully in, in, in year two or three um, at the very least. Um, Matt, we need to dig in because I have not read enough about this. I'd like to hear some of those complaints like specifically. So I'm asking you, I need you to give us like details on what some of the upsetting things are being said. Like, I think one thing that's on my brain especially is um, what is if it is the most expensive ticket in the Midwest, how are they phrasing that? And how do we compare to the rest of the league if we do look expensive compared to everyone else? Can you kind of give us more details on that? Yeah, so normally we have the, Stu here to tell us
2: all these negative comments, but today you got to fill in for him. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. The um, the ranges are are throwing a lot of people off, um, so they're looking at, and, and they're looking at competitors. I think competitors are where the biggest thing comes in, um, and and there are people who are looking at Midwest competitors like Sporting Kansas City, yeah, who have a. Over ten year old stadium. So do you um,
0: know? So, but do you know like what sporting would be pri- compared to our ranges? Yes. So here's here's the interesting
2: about. thing. Now, sporting Kansas City has you could you could tell the story multiple ways. There's a, a sporting fan who I was talking to on Reddit who sent me images of their their season ticket prices, and they're they're a lot more they're a good example of the, the rigid prices where there's no ranges. There's like, there's this part of the stadium that is this price. There's another part of the stadium that's this priced. Um, and when you look at their lowest priced reserve seat for Sporting Kansas City, so you're you're looking at what our, our pink ones look like in that image um, where we have the range of... Uh, well, if you look at the one-year term, our range is three seventy-four to seven forty-eight. I think my eyes might deceive me over there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Sporting's lowest priced reserve seat is seven hundred dollars. End of story. There's no three seventy-four in certain sections. There's no there's no seven forty-eight. It's seven hundred dollars. That's the lowest priced reserve seat from Sporting Kansas City. Um, yeah,
0: it's five. I mean, I just finally pulled it and up. And that supporters, that rises
2: 40 South stand yeah. five sixty, And then yeah, $700 is the, the crappier seats for. January. Yeah. And so, so you're looking at the supporters section far undercut sporting Kansas city. And I think that speaks to the value that this, the club has placed on those tickets to make them accessible for, and, and almost it, I don't want to say rewarding, but almost the, the acknowledgement of what that section brings to the stadium and the environment and making sure that's accessible for the people who want to bring the noise and bring the energy. Um, it, but, but seeing the comparison of $700 as the cheapest sport in Kansas city, general reserve ticket compared to what our range is highlights a couple different vantage points of the, the complaining, uh, that has been going on for the past couple of hours. And it gets to, there's, there is a higher, price because of that range. Um but then once you start rising with Sporting's prices, you get up to $800 for uh, like a mid-tier reserve seating. You get up to $1120 for mid-tier reserve seating in the East Stand mid. Um 1140. So their prices rise, but they're not as drastically rising as some of our higher end, you know what I mean? Yes. So they're yeah, so there's more equal throughout the whole stadium right so they don't have these these lower priced affordable options and that that i think is what i really want to what focus on or emphasize and i'm sure the club will do that in whatever marketing they eventually come out with on these official releases but while we do have a we have ranges within each price point um the higher end so the blues the ones at midfield uh the yellows the ones that kind of um jut out where you're you're right along the field on the the corners but then it's a little back and up into the 200s those tend to those are more expensive for us so if you look at the very top tier of every team we have a higher top tier but if you look at the lower end Mm -hmm. compared to other teams our lower end much lower still appears to be yeah much lower or at least as low as some clubs like uh, nashville I, i think i was looking at so that that the fact that we have such a wide range is giving people the initial thought of, wow, that's over $2,000 for a season ticket for, for one year. That's, that's insane. Whereas that's the one section. That's that price. That's not saying that we're pricing out fans or, or the club is pricing out fans. That's saying that for (laughs) the premium general reserve seat, we think this seat is worth it. And we think fans are going to pay to be this close to the pitch at the at the midfield line to see the action okay so now thank
0: you for doing that because now i think i have i had a thought process and now i'm sure of it now i can i can say with confidence you know i'm looking at this picture and first of all um i think a good overall way to say this is that if you're a fan of socialism, then you should like this stadium setup. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the the lowest have a much easier way to get in. The those of us that may not have very much money, and to make up for that, the highest are extremely taxed, if you will, <laughs> in order to get that average ticket price to a normal spot. So, um, you know, there are a million ways to slice this apple, but like, you know, I think we've been hammering home that the the lowest price is much lower than the average, you know, in MLS. And then the highest is pretty high. Like, I think we can all agree that it's pretty high and, and we can admit that. And I think the club would be like, yeah, we did that. Um, But I also like in this picture, I'm looking at it. When you look at the Sporting Kansas City picture, I think you kind of alluded to this, Matt. It's just like this stand is this. This stand is this. This stand is this. Whereas ours. Is like this rainbow fading rainbow that is just like based on the distance from center circle in a way. And so I find that very interesting that it is it makes more sense from a price point perspective. They've really priced each seat, each individual place you sit, not just your section, but like each seat seat. Um, based on how far you are from that circle. I think that makes a lot more sense, too, especially if you're going to tier things the way you do. And um, I got a couple comments here, like Go Grizzlies, which is at Blue Chip Logebox on Twitter, had a really great comment. He said, they just have to keep in mind that supply and demand works in both directions, and they're not automatically entitled to our money just because... Um, they got St. Louis crest on the crest. He said before he said that, he said also with a big, long waiting list, I actually thought these seats were going to be more expensive. Right. So I like that. He touched on the whole capitalism thing, because I think you can't ignore the fact that, um, these seats are sold out. There's going to be a giant waiting list. What is, I don't know how many reserve reservations there were for season tickets. Wasn't it like 60,000 or something like that? Am I exaggerating?
1: Yeah. 60,000, 60,000. tickets so did they
0: have to go as cheap as they did no
1: i think people should also
0: remember that that they could have been way more expensive and still probably sold the stadium out especially in the first year right now you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot of course people are upset and you got to expect that but i think overall this is from someone who's an entrepreneur i suppose i have my own business i think this is pretty fair in my opinion Yes, it's expensive once you want to get fancy. But if you want to get fancy, well, you got to have money. That's the way it works in this country. I don't think that's a bad thing. Do you guys?
1: I, I agree. I agree. Uh, in, in my opinion, there is tickets for everybody. And, and yeah, as you said, if you want to get fancy, you, you have to pay that price.
2: And, and I think it, it goes back to there needs to be something for everybody. And that's spot on Santiago, because one of the things that I remember being uh lauding, applauding Nashville for was they had this one set of tickets that they were pricing for kids. And it was it was a cheap price, like $20. And it was only if you were 12 and under. And it was for a specific section in the stadium. And it was not a good section. It was mm-hmm. one of those in the corners. It was far away, but it got you in the stadium. It allowed you to see the game. It was a it was a cheap ticket for kids that got them into the stadium to watch the game. Nobody cared where it was. They just cared that that ticket was being offered and available. And the city's doing that with these pink seats that they have in this, in this graphic, they're Mm -hmm. offering the, the $20 seats, the $22 seats. If that's all you can afford, they're making it accessible, but at the same time, they're knowing their market. They're knowing what they're worth, or what they believe their worth is, and what they're now are going to prove that their worth is to all the fans. And so this, the socialism comment, I think, is is pretty spot on too, in the sense that the the rich are going to pay what they can. The those who don't have as many means are going to be able to get in the game without a whole lot of consternation.
0: Yeah, and and if I forgot this too, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I've a long time ago, my dad and I. My dad was like, my dad's a music, I'm a trumpet player. I'm a musician too. But, um, you know, we decided to go to the St. Louis Symphony one day and we went and we just on a whim, we were going to be a little late and he said, you know, you can get. Um, really cheap tickets or free if you wait long enough just going in late and so we went up on the balcony it was under ten dollars at the time I think which is unbelievably cheap to go see the caliber of musicians that are in the St. Louis Symphony I think that's true to this day that you can go up late and you can get in for free or for very cheap um, after it's already started or even right before Um, so this is a thing that you know it's normal. Right. And the, and the seats up front at the symphony are ungodly expensive. Right. So um, this is normal in all facets of, of entertainment and sporting in the United States. Um, I don't think it's crazy, uh, but I am curious about this weight or should, anything else about that topic, though, because I want to talk about this waitlist list uh, problem. I don't know about this either.
2: Oh, we could probably go on about random things with the stadium pricing for, for quite a while. So, so someone comments.
0: mentioned, so Smitty, I asked Smitty, Smitty signed on and he comes on so much. I asked him what his thoughts were and he said, Steve's the best. Yeah. He's Smitty coach on Twitter. So his name's Steve. I've never met him. <laughs> I feel bad. Boot guy. <laughs> Steve, come say hi to me next time I'm around. Um, he says just wish it was a one-time access code that you couldn't send to a bunch of people. Feel bad for those that put a deposit right at 1003 and may not even get a season ticket. It, um, am I I think I missed this whole storyline here, so I guess that's what I'm asking mm. about. Is it yeah. not a
2: thing is this Yeah. Well, um, so... yeah, go ahead Santi.
1: Yeah, I have seen uh, quite a few comments on Facebook about that. Um, yeah, it looks like a lot a lot of people that, uh, so there were, and, and I found, I, I, I bought my tickets at 9.03, 9.05, something like that, through a pre-sale link I got from St. Louis FC. And um, I wasn't a season ticket holder for St. Louis FC, but uh, I had a, like a ticket package, like uh, five games for a specific price or 10 games, something like that. I had some tickets and so later, this week uh, after seeing uh, people posting and complaining, uh, and I, I don't know if I forgot or I didn't know, but uh, it looks like actual season ticket holders got a pre-sale at oh. 8 a.m. So there was an 8 a.m. and a 9 a.m. and then the general sale at 10 a.m. And a lot of people uh, who got on the 10 a.m., which was the, the general public one, um, it looks like, uh, based on the conversations they have had with their ticket reps, uh, they're kind of on the bubble and may not get anything. People that didn't buy tickets that day. Uh, it looks like they're already out of the picture and have been told that they are not going to get season tickets and, uh, they have been offered different options, but, but yeah, there has been a lot of complaining and kind of drama and people's, People that didn't like the fact that uh, the St. Louis um, season ticket holders or uh, people uh, who bought uh, ticket packages were offered an opportunity to buy earlier than the general public. Public, which to me it makes a lot of sense. If you were already supporting uh, local soccer, uh, <laughs> you, you 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 deserve a chance to uh, to get tickets earlier and that's that's the way i see it but a a lot of people don't don't see it that way
0: so i'm still confused though if i can ask a question what did this already happen did i miss this or is this the pre-sale like the the reserving your opportunity to buy season tickets is that what you're talking about
2: this was this was when the deposits were thank
0: you got it i'm on board now apologies Well, we might have lost Matt. Are uh, you still there, Santiago? Yeah, it looks
1: looks like we lost Matt. Yeah. Sorry. You know?
0: <laughs> sorry,
1: Matt. But so, but yeah, while well, well, he gets back on, yeah, this was uh, September 16, 2020, when when people place their deposits. Look looks like Matt is back. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry, Matt.
2: Yeah, this was when the dep- the deposits first opened up. Um, God God bless my internet tonight. It's just not wanting me to talk about these <laughs> tickets. Um, this is when the deposits first became available. It was 10 a.m. That was the publicly, um, said, all right, tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. Uh, two pre-sales to my knowledge occurred and both of them were essentially rewarding, uh, those who supported local St. Louis soccer in some way, shape or form, uh, prior to city rolling into town. Um, I've heard, I've heard St. Louis FC ticket holders. I've heard St. Louis FC, both single game and season ticket holders, um, I know that the supporter groups that were existing uh, were extended uh, a pre-sale code, and I know that there are some other soccer groups in the area who were extended pre-sale codes too. Um, I had heard there was a an adult amateur team who might have been in the...
1: We lost my game. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I a- think- I think we got it though um pk even backed <laughs> patrick kelly got in on the the <laughs> chat on facebook which is awesome he said there were five years of stlfc telling people to invest and they didn't yeah <laughs> that's how we are so biased on this topic that's, but like spot on i man. have zero pity for anyone that's not in on this you
2: know whatever and, okay and pre-sales in general pre-sales in general Aren't anything new is that pre-sales were occurring.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think we've covered it. I, mean, I think we dug that's a little bit that. more into the drama than we intended. That I intended tonight. So that's my fault for not being educated on, on the topic. But um, yeah, let's move on. Though I think we've got enough of the ticket sales talk. I think we fit in a little bit for the people that are upset and a little bit, a lot of it for the people that think that's it's, it's fine. Um, let's talk about some matches, boys. We got. Um, let's start with the, we're going to go backwards in time, right? We're going to start from the most recent thing and go backwards, which means we're going straight to some nastiness, which is Minnesota United FC2 uh, versus St. Louis City FCSC2. 4-0 uh, was the final score. And Santiago, this was just like, a mess from the start right and then a bunch of attempted repairs as we went along it felt like right
1: yeah yeah um like uh minnesota was right on it since the beginning uh, their first uh shot on goal was on the third minute and from there they created a couple like two or three more options before they scored their goal but um st louis offensively didn't create anything uh during that half uh, there was a free kick uh, in the 45th minute but other than that uh, it was a really bad first half uh, I will say um, tire legs from uh, the two games um, within the week um, open cup game 120 minutes and also the um, rotated lineup and obviously some people may say oh we we don't have any depth and um, Obviously, the, the, the core guys are, are the guys, and after that, we, we don't have enough people. But the way I see it uh, is that it's just guys that have not played as a team together for for an extended period of time. If you think about uh, the center backs, uh, Jarro and uh, Ballmark, mm. these were probably their, their first official match together. And then I don't think they played together in a lot of the friendlies. Maybe during practice they have done it but uh but you could see that uh, there were some disconnects not only for for Jarrow and Palmer but uh but you have to think about that too. It's not only the the players but also those players playing together and practicing together. So I think that was part of it. And Minnesota also brought a good lineup. Uh they didn't we, we were talking earlier in the week they didn't really bring any of the like yeah, they they brought some first team players, but it was mostly guys on the on the 25th and over uh, spots on the roster. One exception, um, Chase Gasper, uh, who is a senior player, um, but he just came back from um, he was he was he was away from the league for a few months, so he's just getting minutes. But they put a strong lineup too, and uh, we had talked before, uh, maybe not on the podcast, but uh, maybe a. Uh, DMs or on Twitter, like Minnesota, their their roster for the second team, uh, it's it only has like 15, 16 players, so you can always expect uh, mm-hmm. players from the first team uh, on 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 game day, and and that's what they did, and they had a couple of really good good players. So obviously, second half after it was already 3-0, uh, some of the some of the more experienced guys came in for C two and. Um, Although the game was kind of already out of hand, uh, it look, it, St. Louis looked better and was able to uh, have more possession. Didn't create a lot of options, but uh, it kind of uh, stopped uh, all the attacks from, from Minnesota. So um, it was kind of a story of two halves.
0: Absolutely. I agree with you as Jackson was someone that stood out for me. I mean, just tearing us to pieces and he is a homegrown signing. So is he a first team player? Not, not exactly. I don't know how many minutes he's gotten with the first team at all. If any 20 years old, um, dude was crazy good. And he, even after we got our stuff together, I would say he was still very effective. Um, Matt, do you, do you want to weigh in on your thoughts for the night? Santiago definitely got us started on, you know, is it, is it fatigue? Is it
2: rotation? What do you think? For, we'll see how long my thoughts last before my internet shuts me down. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> my, fir- my first thought is the rotation that and the lineup that we ran out because of the rotation seemed um, so different because we had Hebert out on the right side. We had Ezra out on the right side and we've never seen them out there before, at least in uh, in meaningful play. So it's not just the rotation, and it's not just the players not playing with each other, but playing out of position compared to when they might have been used to. Uh, I don't know, uh, obviously, how they practiced. If, if Ezra practiced a lot on the right side, if Hebert has been a right center back slash right fullback, depending on if you think they were in a three-man backfield or, uh, or, or a five man or however you thought they, they ran that. Um, I think they played Fritz Vollmer and Aaron Hurd in their natural positions, probably to help them get acclimated. Mm-hmm. And I did think that Aaron Hurd had a fantastic game. I thought he was pretty dynamic out there on the left-hand side. He made, uh, one of the few, um, exciting overlapping runs. He was laying the ball out. Well, he seemed to be able to read the field, but he,
1: Darn it! Oh, we lost the match.
0: Wait a few more seconds. See if he comes back. Shoot! Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll dig into some of my thoughts because I had a really similar thought to him that not only do we rotate, but you know he's saying exactly that 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 guys are playing out of their natural positions in some cases. Except for the academy guys, I agree that Hurd had a good, a very good game. And, and it wasn't for him. It, I don't think it was up to him to like stand out and win the game for us in this in that case. And I thought he played well, um, not bad for sure. Uh, Rivas has never played in the middle line, right? And so we didn't have that punch you in the face uh, combo of Palazzo, Palazzolo, and Schneider. Um, I think Hubert, whether he was the right sided center back like you were saying, Matt, or whether he was a right fullback, he was isolated one v one versus Jackson and Pacheco, like all night the dude was running his butt off trying to cover and I thought he did okay 1v1 but anytime anyone needed help it felt like there was no natural vibe for like who was supposed to help who when and that was what I felt like was the biggest defensive issue throughout the very beginning even Yara looked bad on a, on a goal right like Yara was covering a guy he was a bit behind him as he cut inside and I think he expected help to come and volmar was a little bit further back more than he should have been i would have i think if i was yarrow i would have expected a little help especially the way st louis plays and uh, it didn't come and and that's when the goal kind of kind of happened there so um i think just like i think i don't think it's a depth thing per se i think it's like the fact that it was Highly rotated, plus guys were not in positions they were used to. Um, Matt, I think you were kind of riffing on that sort of thing. You were also talking about Hurd, um, if you want to kind of keep going with what you were saying.
2: I'll be quick. I I was most impressed by Aaron Hurd in that game. I think uh, Vollmer got exposed a few times um, and had some difficulty covering the positions he needed to because could potentially be because of that three-man center back situation. It looked like we had going. And Kwame was left holding the bill on a couple of those uh, goals, especially the one that brought the ball, whoever had it that brought the ball like past two or three of our guys. And Kwame, you could tell, wanted to kind of take a step back to make sure he had the, the back uh, covered and nobody was getting in the back door. But at the same time, the guy just stepped right in front of him and, and scored. That exposed both Volmer and Kwame in the spacing. Um, Aaron Hurd didn't get enough opportunity, but I want to see more of him because what he did show was exciting and explosive.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Any other thoughts about this one? It just felt, it, it, I do want to say, I think you said this, Santiago, that once the half happened, they, they made changes and guys went back to kind of their natural position on the field, like multiple at the same time. So like it, it things settled down and you could see that like even though Minnesota players were still penetrating and getting in dangerous spaces. There was like that last minute stoppage that we're used to seeing, especially against guys like Louisville. And, and so once we move people to their natural, I don't want to say natural, to where they're used to having everybody. It's early in the season. We've really leaned on the same lineup over and over, and they're used to having those guys doing certain things already. And, and we took a major, major um, risk at doing what they did today they put in or the other day they put in a bunch of a, a couple academy kids and moved everyone around a ton so risky and when we got people back in their positions we looked like our old selves so I don't think this is something to, to flip out about do you Santiago do you think this is something that is going to happen a lot or what do you think
1: uh, I don't think it's going to happen a lot but but yeah it's it's going to happen and if you think more about um, the objective of these uh, reserve teams at the end of the day is a uh, development team. Mm-hmm. And you have to give minutes to uh, your academy guys, get get them exposed to uh, playing uh, professionally. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, we will probably continue seeing some rotation, probably not as much as, as we did mm-hmm. on Sunday, but... If we want to to get the academy guys uh, playing time and get them some opportunities to, to play against uh, higher level um, players and teams, uh, this is the time to do it. And especially this year, that we we are thinking about 2023 and possibly um, having one or two of these academy guys uh, in the first team. Uh, so the opportunity to do that to do that. I think it is between now and July It's going to be more mm. difficult to do it once uh, the signings uh, that the players are already signed come. And I'm sure there there may be a few more between now and, and July. So I would think we will see uh, more uh, more of Aaron Hurd and more of uh, Ballmer and some of the other Academy guys in the next couple of months. And I don't, I don't, re- I will not, really worry about the results Uh, yeah winning is great but uh if we're trying to build a team and especially this year trying to get some of these guys acclimated for 2023 um, this is what the team needs to do right now.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad like I you could kind of feel the vibe of what they went for this season Like listen open cup is special We're gonna make a run because not only like if what would the storyline be if we made it really far And we got to play some insanely Bundesliga, you know and some insane Bundesliga league players in the open cup as a third tier team in the united states like that storylines too good to like not go all in for so it felt like okay get our stuff together play the same lineup and as long as we can go in the open cup and then once that's gone then we we really focus on what the two team really is perhaps and so that's the question I want to ask you guys both Um, Matt we'll start with you if you're Hackworth like was this a lesson learned do you play less guys do you play them more in their natural position what do you do going forward as far as academy players as far as playing guys where they're used to playing rotation what do you do Matt
2: well, the knee jerk from this game is you play guys in their natural position. Um, I don't want to necessarily see Kyle Hebert moved around just to keep him on the field. Mm-hmm. I would have, re- and then you play guys in their natural position as long as their legs can stand it. Yeah. Now, if you need to rotate guys, um, it, you get into that, or you're just trying new things. I would just like to see guys in their natural position. Um, all things being neutral, I would have liked to see Ben DeRosa out there on the right side from the get go. Uh, if you're going to rest somebody and need somebody to play on that right-hand side, give Kyle Hebert a rest. Um, you know, I, and that's, that's complete armchair uh, yeah. armchair center backing here without knowing what's going on in, in, in the practice field. But um, it it didn't work to move guys out of position while at the same time introducing um, players who haven't played a whole lot together. So minimizing and that doesn't, do, that doesn't do a whole lot for your development, in my opinion. I, I can't see that being a huge benefiting factor to introduce all those changes at one point. Hmm. Either, you know, if you're going to introduce uh, new players who haven't played together just to get some development in, which you are going to have to do, and I expect, to Santi's point, to have to see that a whole lot, um, especially as you try to get some guys like uh, Josh Mayer, Nathan Ferguson, uh, Miguel Perez, some looks. But you want to have people comfortable when they're facilitating these new players, when they're working in these new players. So maybe you sit Ezra for a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe you put in, um, Rivas in his natural position instead of having him slot back at a a left fullback position, a left back. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to see, I want to see things that make more sense to where the players are used to and where we're, we're used to seeing them and where we know their history has them. But I do want to see a lot more development and experience for those academy players. Um, Now's the time Uh, Santiago hit a nail on the head that we're, we're past the, the win or go home. We're firmly into the development stages that Hackworth's talked about. So between now and July, where you're going to lose some spots to those MLS internationals um, you need to get players playing time, who may not have it or who you want to see play well with those MLS internationals. So you might be looking for an, your, your six, seven, eight players who you want to line up with those internationals. Um, and they could be half of the Academy guys. If they're stepping up, Aaron heard Fritz Walmer could be among those. Um, but I, ju- I just want to see more opportunity given, uh, a lot wider rotation over the next few months, but I want to see a more, um, natural positioning,
1: uh, deployed.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Santiago? What would you do going forward?
1: I, I would, um, echoing what Matt said, um, players in their, in their natural positions and every game, um, uh, have, uh, one or two of the Academy players and it doesn't have to be a starting. It could be, uh, the last 20, 30 minutes and, Uh, give them some playing time and and see how they do. Obviously, if they play well, maybe they they will earn uh, a starting spot uh, for another game. But yeah, just keep the core team and and start um, introducing uh, the academy players uh, in these next two months before uh, the international signings come. Uh, But yeah, you have to uh, give them experience, uh, especially if the idea is to uh, promote... uh, couple of these guys to the first team. You have to give them minutes and uh, give them competition. Uh, but yeah, do it gradually. And um, Coach Hackworth uh, alluded to that um, last week. Uh, obviously, uh, and we will talk about the the Open Cup game too, but uh, Aaron Hurd did really well uh, when he came in. And um, I asked Coach Hackworth uh, what he thought about that and if that would give him uh, more opportunities to play going forward and he said yeah he certainly earned a spot with the way he played but he's young and, and we we have to uh take one step at a time it's not like you're gonna go from uh, playing 30 minutes to playing 90 so i think they're gonna i don't think he's gonna be on every game uh, he may start some he may mm. come from the bench on some and they can probably do the same thing with, with some of the other Academy guys. Uh, but yeah, I, I will expect to see, uh, a rotation between the Academy guys, obviously in their natural position, but, uh, the team needs to do that. needs to, uh, give them minutes and give them that, that look and see if, uh, if they have potential for getting promoted to, uh, the first team.
0: Yeah. Santiago, I've loved your reporting. I'm, I'm really spoiled to have both you guys here because, uh, yeah. Santiago, you're like reporting almost straight to me. Every time you have a quote from Hackworth, I'm like, thank God someone found that, you know, the answer to that question that's been bugging me all the time. And Matt, of course, you're like stumbling across really good stuff like you did tonight. Um, it's really awesome. Um, but to kind of fill in between the two of you, um, I think the the happy medium is actually what I had in mind all along anyway. Um, I think Hackworth was. Stuck at right back where he had no choice, right? He threw Hebert there, but like DeRosa, probably his legs are falling off. Akil Watts yep. is the other right back, and you know, he's been playing a lot of minutes um, in a lot of different places. So I think he was thinking Hebert probably has run the least amount, especially you look at the GPS. Probably his legs were the freshest of all the people that could play right back in his mind responsibly. So Hebert has had such a good defensive season to the point where, you know, if you're going to trust someone to play right back when you don't have a natural right back, Hebert makes sense in my brain. Like, if I have no one else to go to, I'm going to go to Hebert, right? And it just didn't work out. And and not only that, like, it might have worked out if everyone else had been kind of in their natural roles. And it was just, like, just too much, right? And I think that we've seen Hackworth make some, like, decisions where you're like, oh, boy, that didn't work, right? And it's not even, like going into the game you're like oh god this is going to be bad it's just like the game happens and you're like okay i learned something from this game this is something i'm not going to do and so i have faith that hackworth looked at that game and thought several of the things we've we've said tonight too um and probably a lot more expertly (laughs) is going to implement those kind of things as we
2: armchair quarterback over here but um well and the last thing i think phil is not just uh playing players in a natural position, but we're going to have a whole lot more depth going forward, not having the double game weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, once Max Schneider returns from suspension, he's going to be available. So between uh, and, and having that additional, um, you know, defending midfield option there with AJ where, you know, we, I think we had Sergio Rivas there who then fell back to left back. And so fresh legs, uh, full roster, Once you have all those options, you'll have more depth that we do have to be Mm -hmm. able to deploy players in developmental forms, uh, with keeping everybody in their natural position. I think it's going to coalesce and kind of just, it's going to work itself out over the next week or two. Um, and, and so I think we're going to see a whole lot, a whole lot more progress being made to that developmental end, um, with a lot of the things we're talking about here very, very quickly agree and and Santiago to,
0: to echo what you said um, we do got to get these Academy kids in and they got to get some chances and they got to learn this speed of play because you can tell that's not natural to him quite yet heard I mean maybe it is natural to him perhaps his, his brain works faster um, sometimes um, than you expect but um yeah, we need to give these kids a chance. I'm glad he threw them into a dangerous, difficult position in this game and in Louisville, and um, we'll talk about that in a second. But also before we move on, I think um, something we should mention, the Matt, you you commented on this today, the Dita Armstrong concussion. My God, like just play kept going on. and And I know as a referee, guys are diving the whole game, and you got to watch that, but I think you just –
2: it, even if someone's faking it, you got to be more careful about head injuries, right? I was I was in the front row uh, of the supporter section, and I I can't remember being more livid at a soccer game mm. it just, in my life. I've been to a lot of games. And I, I don't ever recall like getting up and just being as irate, seeing Dita go down, seeing the play continue and not just the play continue, but two sequences of play continue the Mm. ball. So he went down um, about halfway between the end line and midfield closer to midfield um, on uh, the, the far side from where the supporters were. So I think the North side and the ball, wherever the ball was, when he went down, kept going towards that goal and then play continued on back towards our side. Mm. And it took, it took the ball actually going out of play over the course of play for the refs to actually stopped the match and and it was the most ridiculous thing in the world because it was clearly a head injury to all of us that saw it he mm. was clearly down and he wasn't moving. It, so I put it on Twitter I put on Twitter one of two things either it's negligence in witnessing the play by the referees which I know that that sideline official saw it like he was in front of us mm. he saw it it was either negligence in witnessing the play or negligence in knowing what to do after. So one of those two things Mm. occurred, and the sooner you can get help to a player in that position, obviously the better off they are. And to hear Hackworth's quote today on the 27th of, he's in concussion protocol and, quote, he's still struggling. That's the quote from Tom Timmerman. (laughs) That hurts. To hear that from a kid who went down and didn't get medical attention for a minute at the most at at the least when the the referees could have stopped should have stopped the play at that moment. Every minute counts in those kinds of things when you don't know when it's a head injury, when you don't know what's going on, when you need to get that player attention and it is infuriating that sequence occurred.
0: Agree. Uh, you know, when once you're a dad, you start picture in your own kids in that position when you see someone as young as dita you're like oh god
2: it, it's it's more painful in that way so um still a lot like of we work give, to we, do in we that give, regard we give referees hell and we give them uh, all kinds of uh just screaming at them for missing offside missing a foul none of it approaches the level of egregiousness that this was yeah it was it's not just disappointing that that they miss it but it's it's infuriating, and it's to the point of the causes and uh, upset that Taylor Twalman gets on Twitter and, and showing the videos and, and just chastising referees, officials, coaches for the concussion protocols not being up to snuff and for not treating things seriously and for skirting as many rules as possible. This is right up there along with those. Well, it, more so. Right.
0: I mean, I, I game, I game the referee when I'm there, but if I was there and I saw that I would get very serious at that point, you know, like it, they can't miss that kind of thing and they need to get better. That's yeah. something we all know. Um, and you know, it took everything, you know, I almost wanted Taylor Twellman to jump on it, but it, obviously he's not having enough of an impact. So I guess it doesn't matter. Um, Sorry to end that one on on a on a down note, but I guess one thing that is on all of our minds, surely, is that we did not put our best foot forward in this match, and I can't wait to see Minnesota again. Like, this is in my brain now. It's bookmarked. We're going to put our best 11 against these guys next time. We're going to have our stuff together, and I hope we get to see, you know, that the same kind of Azil Jackson and all the guys that were really good against us. I'd like to really show them what we're made of next time. So I hope that happens. I have faith that that will happen. Um, Let's talk about this loose city match because we're already getting close to an hour. So let's kind of speed it up. This will be our last thing to talk about today. Um, Slow start, right? And the team really grew into the match. um, And to take a team like that to 10 penalties um, with our Team versus their team, you know, what we're supposed to be made of versus what they're supposed to be made of as a USL championship side. The best one unbeaten team this year in 10 games. Um, I'm really proud of the guys. And um, it wasn't beautiful, but maybe we can talk about that. Santiago, do you want to get us started on that one?
2: Oh, I think we lost Santiago this time. So Matt, why don't you get oh, started? No. Sorry. <laughs> my, my biggest takeaway from it is our defense played phenomenally. Um, we, we didn't yes. put a whole lot of offense together. Uh, we, we didn't string together um, many of the, many of the kind of high pressing, exciting attacks. And then the, the overlapping runs that we like to see, we couldn't find spaces to make things work, but we didn't give them anything. Uh, we made their shots difficult. They had, I think, if I recall, 15 shots and only five were on goal. Um, we 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 kept the pressure on their attacking side. We we closed gaps quickly. Um, you know, our 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 defenders don't. They can't get enough credit for that. They deserve all the credit in the world because they kept us in that for the entire time. They hustled their asses off mm. and they. They did what they needed to do to keep it nil no, nil. No.
0: Absolutely, Santiago. I think we got you back. What do you think about the game?
1: Yeah, I'm back. Uh, so great game uh, defensively. Um, defense uh, played their butts off and uh, didn't give a lot of options to Louisville. Even though Louisville had uh, most of the possession, but uh, offensively, um, the team didn't do much. Um, Towards well, uh, Aaron Hurd came uh, almost at the end of um, regulation, which mm. I was really. He was surprised. a good spark. He was a great spark, but I was I couldn't believe it when when I saw he was coming in. I was like, what? Really? He's gonna <laughs> he's he's gonna be in the game for the for the two um, extra periods. I, I couldn't believe it, but he did great. Uh, he uh, he he he's 15 years 15 years old. Uh, but he he had great presence on the field. Uh, he was he was running, um, getting balls, uh, getting good passes. Uh, got uh, our 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 uh, best chance to score a goal was started by him, and it was yeah. uh, that pass um, behind the backs of the defenders uh, for Rivas. And obviously, uh, when Rivas uh, was ready to. To score, uh, Kyle Morton uh, came and <laughs> saved the goal. It's, it's so ironic that yeah. Kyle Morton also had a great game uh, and uh, he uh, saved a couple of uh, penalty kicks and basically uh, he um, he was responsible for Louisville advancing to the next round. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have liked to see more offensively, but uh, on the, in the extra periods, uh, the team did, did better offensively.
2: Yeah. And one thing too, that I, I do want to call out because I think the pKs kind of sullied the the takeaway. Michael Creek had a phenomenal game, yes in in regulation and extra time, he, just like our defense, uh, made plays when he needed to make them. He was he was big. He was all over the place. He made some really key saves that were not easy to make on those five shots on goal. And he, having just come off, I mean, he had played against Indy who had the, he had the clean sheet against Indy. He had the clean sheet in regulation and extra time here. He, he played well. So I, you know, at that point in time, the thought is, Oh, we've got our keeper here. He's, he's doing great. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Clearly needs work on PKs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) which, which isn't a throwaway in this league. So the league that requires PKs be taken, if there's a tie, that's a key component to your keeper. So you can't just say, you know, we've got 80% of our keeper just fine. You know, he's going to go well because we just saw what could happen. You could lose a game if you can't stop PKs. And he didn't stop a single one. One missed, but that wasn't his his stop. So that's what he has to work on. Um, obviously, it was a different case with Minnesota, but he can't. And Fop Mob, you know, gave him the player of the match for that Louisville game. So he deserves all the credit in the world Absolutely. for for his play there.
0: Yeah, I don't. There's no XG in front of me for that game, but I guarantee Louisville had some really good chances that he was able to stop. And I would say the credit goes mostly to him to keeping it 0 um, 0. It is a team effort, absolutely, but he really made some special stops there in that game. Um, and, and so, quickly, kind of my two takes in the game. Let's start with the bad is that, yes, the offense was bad in the first half, most of the second half as well. And you could tell in the first half, especially, that. City was not used to the physicality and not just like, you know, there were a lot of ugly pushes, a lot of extra thrown into tackles. Um, But they grew into that. They kept their heads. I was really proud of them for that. Um, But also just the. Blazing physical speed that Louisville had. Like, I don't know if it's because they did some of those zoom ins and you see some of these Louisville players just like blazing down the field. That's not something we see in MLS next pro. Um, It was unbelievable how fast these guys were. Um, But defensively we adjusted to both of those things. And um, the passing was extremely disjointed throughout most of regular time. Just so bad. It was like so painful trying to watch us connect some passes, but it was the speed of play. You know, we just weren't on that level naturally at this point in our season based on the competition we've played. And so um, we struggled with all of those things. And little by little we were starting to kind of, in my opinion, kind of tick off things that we improved throughout those games as far as things we were struggling with, to the point where once Aaron Heard came on in um in overtime, extra I forget what you call it officially, but you know, he got that special pass in. And, yeah, we, we relied on an academy kid in the 80-something minute. This kid comes on for his first pro minutes in an Open Cup game against Loose City. It's like the story writes itself. Beautiful. And he, and he performed well. Um, it wasn't too much for him by any means. And it was really nice to see that. Um, so those were kind of my thoughts on the game, the last thing being that um, we're hard to play against. We played. We punched above our weight defensively. We grew into the game. We put in some um, special, some challenges. Some we put in some work so that we actually had a chance to win this thing. After some amazing stops from from Creek, right? Um, we had a chance to win this thing, and I think that says a lot. It was really fun to watch Louisville get. Um, Really like angry and frustrated throughout the game. The the biggest pros like Ownby of course is gonna blow his top at some point in the game. But like it was so nice to see um, Wilson Harris get real frustrated with the physicality because we were giving it back as much as they were giving it to us. So th- those were the things I really loved about the game. Again, I'm really proud of the guys for for the performance they put on there. And um, you know that's what they're capable of. So we know what we can expect going forward in, in MLS next pro, even with some rotation, right? Any other thoughts on that game? Sorry. Thanks for letting me go on my rant there.
2: Sad to see the cup go. Yeah. I was one of those things where it would have been fun to make a a nice long run, but you know.
0: Agree. Yeah.
1: Even, (laughs) even if it it was just one more round and a chance to play an MLS team, that, that will have been great.
2: This close. It was close. Or a chance. I mean, we might've ended up playing Detroit city be honest
0: mm. yeah it would have been fun
2: that would
1: have been a good game too yeah that would have been something
2: <laughs>
0: yeah it would have been like the matchup of the supporters as much as it was the matchup of the team itself they're having a good That's year fair. that that team um against what i thought was going to happen quickly Caden glover matt you have done the most coverage on this tell us about Caden
2: Glover. my goodness his,
0: his call up to the uh u 15s u
2: 15s right yeah, so Caden Glover's for those who aren't following our academy is on our U seventeen academy team. Uh, forward rising star. We talked about him last year when he, when our academy roster was first announced as one of those players to watch because he was on watch lists, um, invited to some of those national ID camps, um, regional ID camps. He was he was a guy that we knew alongside and Aaron Hurd and and uh, Josh Mayer and others that you got to pay attention to this guy mm-hmm. and. Uh, received a call up this week to the U15s uh, for the youth national team and has had significant playing time. Um, so they've played two matches so far in the, I'm going to butcher this, the Torneo del Nazioni, maybe? That might be right. And so he's play, he started the first match. He, I believe, was either a halftime sub or came in the second half of the second match. Um, we drew the first match. He did not have a goal and we won the second match today, three to two. And Caden Glover had the third. Yep. Against Belgium. And he had the third and game winning goal for the team in a pretty nifty, um, created his own space and just beat a defender and just buried it in, in the back of the net. Um, won it and what ends ended up or en- is ending up being the uh, group stage winner. So we're, we're, we're ahead and we would be ahead in uh, tiebreaker head to heads against Belgium. So we should be moving ahead now because of his goal. And if you, if you haven't seen the gold top drawer, soccer has it. Um, St. Louis city retweet or quote tweeted them. So check it out. They've got highlights of all three, uh, youth national team goals. Um, Kane Glover's the last one and it's, it's worth watching. It's a good one. So he- yeah. Yeah. It looked like yeah,
0: it looked like a city kind of gold, To be honest, he looks very comfortable out there. But I think their their attacking style isn't terribly unlike what we're doing. Uh, even no, it's and it not almost extreme
2: maybe, but it almost looked like he was calling for it. So I'm, I'm watching the video right now and you can see him see the space that needed creating. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he, that one touch got the pass and tipped it to himself, just past the defender, creating that space himself. He knew it looked like he knew exactly what he needed to do and where to position himself, yeah. which is really exciting for, for a kid that age to have that kind of awareness.
0: Yeah, the uh, multiple attackers were on the back shoulder of the center backs of of Belgium the, it, throughout that play, right? And it was different guys doing it yep. at different times. Caden kind of hung out there the longest for sure. And yeah, that first touch pushed him into space. It was a beautiful, perfect first touch. Not too heavy. It was just heavy enough to get him into a spot where he could get a great shot off. It was awesome. So good. I think we need to call it there, though, guys. Um, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Santiago, Matt, Um, It's been thanks for bearing with our technical issues. Yes. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Sorry about that. But we made it through. Um, I knew we would. So thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be coming back at you in two weeks at the latest. Bye, everybody.